Were you expecting an episode on Mason's 20th principle today? Well, not quite yet, my friend. As we wrap up this season, I'm bringing in three bonus interviews to help us take Mason's philosophy into our homes with confidence and grace. The thing about philosophy is that it isn't supposed to be some difficult adventure done by very smart people surrounded by books alone in libraries. Philosophy is about loving wisdom, and loving wisdom means you apply it to your ever-changing circumstances, as is right. So while we've spent the entire year talking about philosophy, these principles were never meant to stay inside of your head. The goal was always that you'd learn to work them out of your mouths, hands, and homes. Philosophy should be practical. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I've brought in a special guest, Bethany Douglas of Cloistered Away, to talk about how to make our philosophy practical in the early years. You need to know, I had some technical difficulties in the first few minutes, and so we lost Bethany's brief introduction at the start. But don't worry, I'm going to fill you in now, and when the interview starts with the second question, you'll remember why. Bethany Douglas writes about homeschooling, motherhood, and home on her blog, Cloistered Away. She's a mother of four with kids ranging from 13 to 19 years old, and she's been homeschooling those kids for 16 years. If you follow her journey, you'll clearly see her pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty as she's pulled from the wisdom of classical education, Charlotte Mason pedagogy, and Montessori education. She was kind to join me, remembering clearly those early years of home education and sharing how she's built a life-giving atmosphere, discipline, and life with her children. So grab a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. I found us a mom who has done what we hope to do. We better listen up. The Commonplace is a podcast for the new homeschooling mom delighted by the ideals and principles of a classical Charlotte Mason education. But who feels unsure of how to get started on the practical side of nourishing a soul on the good, the true, and the beautiful? I hope you find camaraderie here as we get our bearings in the world of old ideas and old books, of wisdom and virtue, and of the means of grace by which God works in this world through the commonplaces, which includes your home. So, if you're like me, trying to offer your children an education unlike your own, and wondering if you can create an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life of such richness, I'm here to tell you, I think you can. I'm your host, Autumn Kern, and I'm pleased to welcome you to The Commonplace. Hello and welcome to The Commonplace. My name is Autumn Kern and whenever I start an episode like this, it means that I am not alone, which is true. I am joined today by a lovely guest. Um, You are going to get to meet Bethany Douglas of Cloistered Away. I actually want to tell you all that I have been following Bethany's work for almost 10 years. I found her blog back in 2013. I was a newlywed. I did not have any babies, but I knew we'd be homeschooling, and I stumbled somehow onto her website and had not really known anyone at that point who spoke about homemaking and motherhood and home education with such um, with such beauty and such an eye towards goodness and in such a way that I was encouraged and not made to feel like I had to be just like her. And that is a very particular skill set, I think, when you are sharing on the internet. And I can say that it is why I'm still reading Bethany 10 years later, now that I am actually homeschooling and her kiddos are much older than they were back then. So she is here to share some wisdom with us because she has done what many of us young moms are hoping to do in homeschooling. Okay, so recently you shared a lovely reel on Instagram, actually showing us glimpses of the 16 years that you mentioned. And it was in a reel, so you have a minute, but 
it was pretty remarkable because when you looked at each individual clip, it was fairly ordinary. Things like kids learning how to do math, playing cards, going outside, learning to drive, stuff like that. But when I watched it through as this whole life, it was really extraordinary. And I know for me as a mom at the start and a lot of the Commonplace listeners as well, that's what we're hoping to be able to look back on in 16 years and see this beautiful life that we've cultivated with our children and through our home education. And as we are in the early years, we have the chance to start as we intend to continue on. And so tell us, what was your journey like from the beginning? How, how did it start for you? Yes, um, happily. I think maybe this will be encouraging to some of you, but I feel like my start in town schooling was fairly unremarkable. Um, we, I, the first time, let me backtrack to just say the first time that I even, the seed was first deposited was when my eldest was just a few weeks old. I was in a bookshop, I was reading, I was holding him and this young woman came and, you know, just started a conversation and she asked me if I was going to homeschool. And I was like, I just had a baby. I hadn't even considered <laughs> or thought about what educational path, but I really hadn't thought about homeschooling at all. Right. Um, I was public school educated through all the way through. So I just had this, um, but it just feels like this moment that the Lord planted a seed that then came back a few years later when I moved to the town I live in now. And I had a couple of friends who were talking about homeschooling. And so we began just kind of, my son was in a preschool at that time, just two days a week, but I just began doing research. And I also began meeting with two other, these two girlfriends and their children. And one of them was an occupational therapist. So she kind of created these motor skill groups and we just talked about letters and we played and it was very, very simple. Um, but it was just that kind of beginning of what this could be like, trying this on. I continued to read a heap of books and visit little schools around our area during that time. So I really was drawn to a Montessori school in our area, but location-wise and expense, it just didn't match the rhythm of our home. And so... Mm but they were very, very welcoming to homeschoolers. So I would go in and just observe. I would observe their classrooms. I would watch how they had everything was child-sized and that the children went and made their own lunch. And, you know, their lunchtime rule was to invite a friend. And, you know, cool. just these very simple things that they had independence and ownership from a really young age in what they were learning. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. So. I think I began to kind of borrow some from Montessori um, for any of you who have explored that way. It's very hands-on approach, which I really loved, but it's also kind of expensive to homeschool that way because there's so many manipulatives and they're beautiful, but to create a Montessori classroom at home can be really expensive. So I found just a few favorite things that I was able to kind of implement at home and bring um, like the movable alphabet and um, some of the number, some of the number sets that they had. And I just began playing with the kids with them. Like we began doing little activities with them. And this kind of slow started, that's kind of the way we began, <laughs> was just an experiment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think by the time we got to elementary school, I had um, 
I had read, I think The Well-Trained Mind was the first book on classical education that I read that I really just strongly identified with. And so we, I just, that kind of opened up that little bunny trail of education that I realized I wanted to kind of lean in that direction. So we just, we just started. I mean, I, it was really a day at a time. I, at kindergarten, when Liam, my eldest, was old enough for kindergarten, I did, my husband and I were very prayerful about it. We went and toured all of the local elementary schools. We went to our public school. I met with one of the kindergarten teachers. We went and looked at the dual language. I just wanted to see what actually is out there. What, what is kindergarten like? What is first grade like? Mm. what, you know, what are the different aims of each of these schools? So I went to a variety, probably five different schools and just went and observed in their classroom to see what they did. And, you know, in the conversations, there were things that we liked, there were schools we automatically rolled out. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think just considering the economy of private education and having four children, that was one consideration is the expense for, you know, 13 years. Um, times four. And then another consideration was just my husband and I just realized it's very possible that our children could have the best schooling that the area that we live in could offer, Um, that they could come out on the other side of their education and be extremely intelligent and know a lot of things, and then also have lacking character (laughs) that they may not Mm -hmm. actually know how to apply the knowledge and wisdom that they may not actually know how to humble themselves how to um, admire beauty you know so that was something that we strongly um, strongly considered that kind of bent us towards homeschooling was just recognizing that there were things that they could only uniquely receive in our home um, not mm. in a school. I recently read um, uh, Mansfield Park. Yeah. I've been working through Jane Austen's novels this year. I'm in book three and... right now. I'm about to finish it. Oh, <laughs> we need oh a separate conversation God. now of Mansfield Park. It's so good. Okay, it is so good. So good. It is so good. Well, I don't want to say too much about the end because the point I want to make is actually about the end. Um, but there's this point where Sir Thomas is grieving his daughters and his children. All of his children are grown into adulthood and he's grieving the education that his daughters have had, mm-hmm. that they've had the highest education, that they've, you know, um, they've been trained in theology or in religion, that they've, you know, had everything that they can offer and yet lack the ability to practice religion, that they lacked character, Mm -hmm. essentially, that they have no model of humility, um, that they don't know how to rule their emotions. Um, And I think that was, when I read that, I just marked all over those pages (laughs) because I just felt like that was the warning that I think my husband and I felt at the very beginning, that it's very possible that we could have the best um, according to some other standard, and yet our children could still severely lack some of the things that that they need for life mm-hmm. in terms of how to relate with other people and relate to the world. So that was kind of how we 
we ended up yeah. on this little bunny trail of homeschooling. For it's this still long. going. Yes, it's still going. Oh man, no one is as surprised as I am. Truly, I, love, I do think I hear that quite a bit from moms. We're like, here we are. We've we've done it. Like, we've done it all the way through by the grace of God. Here we are. Yes. Oh man, I do think we could have a whole side conversation about Mansfield Park, particularly how the Bertram girls act at the beginning with the knowledge they already have when Fanny Price appears in the house. It's usually to wound and embarrass compared to some other members of the Bertram family and what they do to cultivate care in in Fanny and why she's so lovely. Anyways, that's a side note. I hope I dropped a little seed there for anyone who wants to read Mansfield Park. It's not really good novels, but I'm a I'm a Pride and Prejudice girl. Elizabeth Bennett till the end of time. Thanks. But Mansfield Park is genius. It is so good. The Literary Life podcast has I a whole know. series talking about it too. So that's been excellent with Angelina Stanford. Oh, it's been very good to listen to. Attention. All right, we've totally gone off course. However, what I love about this, <laughs> what I love about this is this is a homeschool moms and books. But what I love is that you you were exploring around and really gathering what would become your underlying philosophy and principles because it's very easy to look at something like Montessori or Waldorf or Charlotte Mason and be like, oh, this is pretty. I like these things. I like the idea of these things. And you were really digging into, but why do they do these things? Why do they set up their classrooms this way? What is it trying to cultivate in a child? What should the atmosphere around a child be to encourage certain things? And so you were really starting to gather, I think, your principles there in a very natural way, which for a lot of moms, when they enter into homeschooling, it's because they're like, well, I want something for my kid. I'm trying to figure it out. And they will do the hard research. Moms will do that work to figure out what it is for the care of their child. And I know I've I've seen, I've just seen moms do so much in that regard. Um, And I think what's great is once you get that philosophy in place, then your circumstances can keep changing and those don't have to, you may grow, hopefully we're growing in wisdom and hopefully we're, we're seeing the depths of what God is doing more clearly, but your ship is not just out to sea. When a new thing pops up on Instagram, a new curricula option pops up, you're not thrown by what your friend is doing. You're like, actually, I know what I'm set here, hopefully towards God's principles, hopefully towards what he calls good. And then you're able to go. So with that in mind, with the principles, um, what principles would you say became the foundation for your home education? Looking back, what would you say were like your main few? That's a really great question. So, you know, again, once again, I don't even know that I was that formal about even pedagogy of our homeschool at the start. Um, so I hope that that's encouraging for some of you guys I out there. I think it will be. I think so. <laughs> Honestly, people who are like, it's so much. I can't possibly understand these 20 principles. I can't read six volumes right now. I'm not sleeping through the night. I'm nursing an infant, all these things. It's actually really nice to hear like you started and were faithful with what you had and grew. There's so mu- there's really so much about how the Lord meets us where we are to, to lead us in the mm-hmm. way that we need to go. So it's been much more like that. So in the beginning, I think I was concerned about um, habit training. I think I really identify with the the habit of attention um, that I think I really wanted to cultivate a habit of attention, not just in um, language, but in life, you know, in the way that we relate to one another, in the way that we relate to God and even perceiving God in all the things that we do in our life. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of a underlying, but I also loved, and I think this was what I loved in practice in Montessori was the independence, the cultivation of independent learning. And 
the children seeing at a very young age this cultivation that this is yours. And I think I always wanted to communicate to my children that I'm just, you know, I'm this temporary role in their life and that I'm a model of, of eventually how they will relate to God, you know, that my husband and I are. And so, you know, it's, sounds like this very heavy or maybe even potentially morbid conversation, but really it was just always pointing to obedience as, you know, as a pathway to life, Mm -hmm. but also as a tool for life that their attention to, um, to the boundaries of our home or the attention to the things that we're learning or to one another, to the way we use our words, all of those things, um, that, that that is a role for all of life mm. and that right now they would be answering to me or they'd be answering to their father. But eventually this is just training for how eventually they're going to be relating to God and the way that they're going to be listening for him and following him. And so I think just even in very young years, talking to my children in that way, uh, this is just practice. Like these are all of these things are training grounds. And that's true. We still have these conversations as they're teenagers, you know, that the, the way you're relating to one another now is, is practice for how you relate with others mm-hmm. outside of our home. You know, this is practice for how you relate to authority. This is practice for how you'll, you know, it just feels like this one big practicum in, in some yeah. ways of for all of life, which is a tremendous gift. So I don't know how to wrap that. I don't know what my underlying principle is. <laughs> Maybe you can help me. No, I, I think that's great. I think it's having a vision for what's to come and realizing that the whether it's the early years or even as you're farther along in formal education, it's not the waiting room for life, but also realizing that if you haven't mm-hmm. worked out those muscles, you're not at the time yes. when like you're called to courage or you're called towards obedience or whatever it is, you're not going to be able to do it if you haven't been right. practicing it. What, what other duty does a mother have than to prepare their child for like service to Christ? So yeah, I think there's yes. your principle, service to Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure. And I think I, I so much, I think that's why I so strongly relate with, you know, the education being atmosphere, life mm-hmm. discipline, that it really is this experience it's all of Mm -hmm. it. It's not just about the curriculum. It's not just about our rhythm. It's not just about how we, you know, what food we're eating, that it's all of it is actually making up our education. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I don't know. It's just tremendously beautiful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I feel like we have, as moderns, we do Mm -hmm. see education as something we kind of check into for a couple hours and you regurgitate on a test maybe, and then you know the stuff and you go. So even if you do read mm-hmm. the very best of books, if we just take education as a life and you have these this great stack of books, but you have terrible home habits and you can speak to each other really, and you can be selfish or you don't need to help clean up or whatever it is, or the atmosphere mm-hmm. of your home is that your mom is kind of a big whiner and she's always a Debbie Downer or whatever it is, that is just as impactful mm-hmm. on the formation of a person, which yep. is what education is about. And so I think that it is such a, a vibrant, yeah. expansive picture. It's so full when you start to bring in these principles, it really does grow. Um, and I love the idea of yes. of practicing in these years that each opportunity is I one agree. to practice. We've just started something called the Pajama Running Club at my house. And so we <laughs> we, we now roll out of bed and run in our pajamas, oh, well, that. the older so two, and I do, to help <laughs> 
help with some wiggles. And also it's been such a treat. So I ran cross country in high school, love to run long yeah. distance. And of course you don't think about that as mom. You're like, I need to fix this problem. And then as we've been on these runs, I'm like, what a gift to me from God to be able to be out here doing something I love with my kids. But I was talking to my oldest today who wanted to, who wanted to quit a little short yeah. of the finish line because it was a little, it's getting chilly here in Pennsylvania. And I was telling her, this is yeah. when you grow those muscles of determination <laughs> and perseverance, because one day hard things for God might be asked of you. And this is actually when we learn to, to push, to do that wisely That's and right. well. And I know there's nuance there on like not being a martyr and different things, but we're talking to a five and a half year old. Yeah. She's learning like, actually, this is hard for me right now. And my muscles are tiny. Right. And this is where I can start to push <laughs> through. And so just even having you say that to me, I'm like, yes, good. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the right track here with the running club. Yeah. Pajama running yes. club. Yes. No, it's so, so true. Yes. It is so important. And I think anytime, I do think it's helpful, even though it does feel far off, I do think it's helpful to be pointing to mm -hmm. the bigger picture. I think anytime, I think anytime that they kind of can glimpse or get a peek behind the curtain as to the possibilities for the way that this little tiny thing yeah. can grow in them, I think it's a, get, a mm -hmm. tremendous gift for them to be able to see. And it's motivating. Right. Too. Doesn't that speak to personhood? Like be faithful with little because you yeah. will need to be faithful with much. Or even like we frequently will tell our kids yes. to think like, I'm raising a man, I'm raising a woman. I'm not just trying to raise a child forever, mm -hmm. right? Like there is a lovely right. thing before you as you grow. Um, and that's what we're we're aiming for. So with that, with bringing all the philosophy in, yes. kind of figure out how to do that in these early years. I know of a lot of moms, I feel this sometimes, the burning question is how do I keep to my principles and my ideals when my practicals seem really difficult. Now you had four young kids all at one time. Yeah. So I hope you remember still what it was like, but between managing like mischief over in the corner during lessons or habit training, what feels like a thousand different habits all of the time from every direction, yeah. it can actually just feel impossible once the day is going to, to really aim that high. So I would love to know how you built rhythms, how you actually practically thought out what yeah. sort of hooks can I have in my life or pegs I can grab onto. So my atmosphere actually breathes this philosophy I'm finding? Well, I think it's a really great question. So let me see how to begin because it felt a little bit different in each season, but I do think that's where my attention as a mother, like to the needs of our home, mm. um, even what you were just remarking on beginning this little mm -hmm. running club in your pajamas because you noticed your kids need more movement that they weren't able to do what they needed to do because they just needed to move so some a lot of times building building the rhythm began like that by just noticing the needs of our home noticing the ages of our children noticing the goals of what it was that i felt like we were supposed to be learning in that season and so um but I, I do want to say this one thing because I, I feel like so often, you know, in our day to day, we just see this little like pinhole of our life. You know, we only ever get this like little tiny picture. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yes. sometimes it feels really good because that day has gone really well or all the things that we had planned or the experience, the kids' attitudes were great or they really loved what we, we were talking about or reading or whatever it is for whatever, whatever thing that feels good to you that you're like, yes, I'm doing it. And then other days it's like nothing goes as planned. 
you know, attitudes mm-hmm. are terrible or you have to continue to stop doing what you're doing to address hearts and character or words. Um, or you don't feel like making dinner or you don't feel like doing, you know, it's like there's a million reasons that things don't go. But I think what is encouraging about the reel that you mentioned or any time that we get to step back and, and see an accumulation of days together is that we see, oh, well, this little pinhole is just one little part of the story. There's a million other things that are happening than what we see. And so I actually was thinking Mm -hmm. about, there's this part in um, Mere Christianity where Lewis is talking about how, you know, he's inviting the readers to imagine that they're a house and how, you know, God comes into the house, you know, that he's starts cleaning up all these different things and, you know, you're acknowledging, oh, that's good that he's care of that because that needed to be done but then start to get painful and you start taking out walls or building things up you know in directions you didn't um and you know he culminates with the point that we really thought he was going to build this nice little cottage but in 10 he wants to build this cathedral and he wants to come in and inhabit our house and I think that is such a true picture for our homes too and I think of that also in homeschooling and that we are cultivating atmosphere for the Lord to inhabit. And there's something about, you know, our limited perspective that when the pain points come that we automatically tend to associate that as bad Mm. as a lack of progress or that, you know, things aren't going as planned. And that's because we can only see like this, you know, we can only see that moment at hand, but what we don't see is all the things that the Lord is building in our homes that we don't see. The things that he's building in our children, the things that he's building in us, um, the ways that he's inhabiting our home by all the interruptions, by in all the pain points. We kind of want to like avoid all of those places, right. but those are the places of growth. So when we talk about rhythms or what rhythms are what, you know, things worked, I will say, um, having rest time regularly, super in the end years, especially when children are bumping out of nap times, mm-hmm. but just downtime for our household, because you're there, you're together all the time. And especially with young children, it's like, that's, you know, just such frantic energy. Um, even when it's good energy, yeah. <laughs> just energy. Yeah, so, a lot. yeah, I think just teaching our children to, to, to rest, like to be comfortable on their own, even when they're in the presence of other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, or family members, I guess I should say that was very restorative for me. So that was a really important, um, point, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I might be going off track here. So No, you're actually leading just, in to the next question that I really oh, want to ask you. Perfect. So you're you're right on you're right on track. Um, if you when you look back, what do you think are the most important practices for a mom to focus on in the early years? Whether it be something like that rest time. So whether it's for mom, like habits yeah. for mom to kind of, you know, whatever we do sets the atmosphere and tone in our home. So what right. kind of seeps out of us or 
not seep sounds like such a negative gross word whatever yeah. whatever comes out of us out of our hearts um and then for your children what kind of practices do you think are the most important for moms to take from this in the early years yeah also very good questions so i just always begin with rest hmm. i just think so much begins with rest like the habit of sabbath as a family um, but then also having micro, like I like to think of them as micro Sabbaths in a day, hmm. just a place of restoration and a place of um, like having that cycle in your daily. So in, for me, often it would happen in the morning yeah. to have that downtime where I'm in the scriptures or having prayer, having just a low time where I'm not having to answer. Now I know for families that have really early risers, that's not always a possibility. Or if you're not an early riser, that might not be the right time for you. But I think finding a way to set a prayer to actually train our children to enjoy quiet time and is becoming a lost part in, in the adult world. Yeah. <laughs> but it is so, I think it's crucial to how we listen when we're in noisy places or when we're burning or when we're together. So it's, that was something that was really important. I think as a mother, it was very important for me just to have that time, yeah. downtime, but also I think really important for my children, even, even the most extroverted, I was going to say, just bring your gifts to the table. Mm. I think sometimes as sometimes as mothers that you know we can feel locked into our list or we can feel locked into what what it is that we feel like we need to be doing or yes. the way that we see somebody else doing something mm -hmm. and we hold back on our own gifts like our own um interests even um and that is you know I just think the Lord gave you the children that he's put in your home mm -hmm. And so the gifts that he's put in you are meant to actually be enjoyed by your children too. Oh, I love so that. I think sometimes in the homeschooling journey, just bringing, bringing what you love to the table. I love, I, I just love beautiful things and beautiful experiences. Yeah. So even, even when my kids didn't care, or even if I knew that some, you know, tea time or some, you know, flowers or whatever it was that something would be taken down in a heartbeat. I didn't care because it was something that actually made the experience more enjoyable for me, which then I think likewise made it more enjoyable for the, for all of us. Um, but I think for on a practical note, so I just want to encourage people just always bring what you have to the table, bring what you love. And because that brings life to what you're yeah. learning in any capacity. Um, I think in terms of more practical things, just having, you mentioned earlier, um, this might've been before we were recording, but you mentioned just having magnetiles out or something. Yeah. I always had just tons of little busy, you know, busy hand things mm -hmm. that only came out at certain times, right. little baskets that would come out for certain activities when I needed my children to be attentive, especially yeah. once they, you know, there were more of them. And, um, when my youngest was little, she, she's still very busy, but she was very busy as a, a child yeah. all the way from little, all the way up. So we actually would homeschool in a room 
then so I could close the door. Yeah. <laughs> because that way, once I was in the middle of doing something, I knew she was in the room no matter what. It was, you know, I've got pictures of her covered in lipstick, you know, <laughs> she had gotten into my back. You know, there were all sorts of things. She would climb everything. Right. So it's just even a matter of safety that I knew where she was. Yeah. Uh, so that was a different stage where we actually moved bedrooms around to actually have one of the bedrooms. We, we put all four of our children in one bedroom. Yeah. Um, I think that was for one homeschool year, just so we could have an actual bedroom that I could close the door so that we could all be in there during some activity time so yeah. I could focus. I so, love that tip. Sorry, I just love, I really love that yeah. tip. I think it pulls out something where a lot of times moms feel like they have to like, well, I just have to really be on habit training that child's behavior or something. It's like, you mm -hmm. will just be pausing every 20 seconds during lessons. <laughs> when you have a kid who's like running around the house like crazy. And instead it's like, how can I help support them? And that's a big thing yeah. that we talk about in with Mason and her principles. How can I support my child and almost remove all of that disobedience that could occur? I'm going to homeschool in a room and shut the door. Problem yes. solved. That's the fix, not yeah. I'm going to start trying to habit train 800, you may not do this, it's all at once, you know? I just love that tip because it's like, how can I anticipate my child, their needs, and then how do I support them, which does help their will, helps them obey, shows them what are boundaries. Oh, I just love that tip. Keep going, Bethany, tell us more. Yes, you're essentially shrinking the boundaries. Instead of saying there's the house or there's this open doored room, you know, which we were always, at a table, you know, in an open room. So it's just, no, 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 we're just going to shrink the boundaries. So that was really helpful. Um, also in different seasons, as another practical thing in different seasons, like I had um, a college student because we live in a university town. Um, I had a college student come up for two days a week just to help and support. So I just always felt like she was my assistant and I would just think ahead in my planning what support I needed. Sometimes it was, you know, grocery shopping, or sometimes it was, hey, can you read with this, you know, this person? Some some people have access to grandparents or to, to neighbors who can trade. So however you can find an extra support, but I think sometimes not to have any shame surrounding that. Um, if you need help or if you have access to it, use it. <laughs> take advantage of any, you know, any supports along the way that you can. Yeah. Those are wonderful. I really like those. Um, yeah. particularly that last one, I think there can be a lot of shame involved and I don't know if I, I wouldn't put all of the blame on social media, but I do think there are, there's a growing homeschooling presence on social media. And I think it's really lovely. It gives mm -hmm. women a vision, some ideals, maybe some starting philosophy and principles and can really help bring something that is like this far off idea, homeschooling to life in front of them, right? They can see it in images and it's really beautiful. Um, but then I also think there's always the, the part of you don't know what's going on behind the squares, even if the squares are truthful, they're yes. only two dimensional. You don't really know everything that's yes. happening. And so having something like help can feel like, well, no one else seems to need help or anything, but rather to see it as a gift. Like, thank you, God, for yes. these extra hands for these hours yes. or whatever it is and how that can really um, build in to also give you that margin of rest, which is really important yes. because we don't work so that we can just rest indefinitely, but we have these gifts of rest from God so that we can continue on in good work and, and continue yes. our family, which is a lot when you are also the teacher. You know, we know like, yes. we're actually our kids 24 seven. They're always here. <laughs> That's right. And so um, That's there, right. there isn't like, you know, post-school drop-off time to just 
read your Bible or read a book or whatever. And so I think that's such such a good thing to hear, particularly from a mom who has done it. Um, So in that, Mm -hmm. in that vein, thinking about social media and how that comes to play for the mom now, which like you were saying, Mm -hmm. you didn't hop on Google to find out what kind of pedagogy Mm -hmm. you wanted or what curriculum you were going to buy at the beginning. Things have really shifted for my generation. And so one thing that I mentioned earlier that I've always loved about your work is that it points to something outside of you. It shares the Mm -hmm. practicals of your life. It shares glimpses of your life so someone can see how this might be implemented. But I've always felt like you're pointing out towards truth, goodness, and beauty, even when I didn't have language to explain it that way. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about making our principles practical, one thing that comes into play is that we are loving particular people. We are serving particular children. And so the way that we might both take a, a... philosophy or a principle and apply it is going to look very different. I mean, it's different between the four yes. kids you have and the three kids I have, but mm-hmm. especially each other's homes. We have different husbands. We have different mm-hmm. things, all that. And I think that it, it's easy to to forget that we are loving, unique individuals and even bringing in your idea of like, mm-hmm. what are your gifts as a mom? I loved that. Like, let that be a delight for mm-hmm. kids. And instead we think, how can I copy and paste what I've seen on the internet? Yes. Because that looks amazing. And I just want that here. And so we really mm-hmm. try to force something onto our family that maybe doesn't actually fit them and would be done a better way. So yes. What encouragement do you have, um, both as a writer who is online encouraging, but then as a mom who's kind of tracked through this growth of the internet and sharing homeschooling and getting inspiration <laughs> online? What can you say to the mom who's feeling pressure from social media to actually order her life in the image of another mom? Okay, so last week I got to travel to New York with my daughters and my mother, which was so fun for my daughter's 16th birthday. And when we were walking through Central Park, they have the horse and the carriages, you know, everywhere. But all of yeah. the horses have these little blinders, like just right on side of their on their mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. And that's that is exactly what I would say mothers need homeschooling mothers. Some Get blinders. some blinders. <laughs> Put your blinders on. Yeah. But social media, Google searches, books, podcasts, there's so many beautiful resources mm-hmm. and so many different women doing beautiful things and with their children. But you are responsible for your home and your children. So Mm. use the inspiration that you need when you need it, but then put your blinders on. (laughs) It's just, you've got to do the thing that you know that you need to do. And I find that when, I just really strongly encourage learning discernment in this area because it will lead to wisdom in how to use social media as a tool for encouragement and to know when it's no longer an encouragement, it will actually be a point of shame or a point of, um, of heaviness for you in some way, uh, just because you're looking for that comparison. Because we are just people looking for that affirmation. We're looking for an affirmation, especially as homeschoolers. There's nobody, there's nobody here giving us grades. You know, there's Mm -hmm. as mothers, there's nobody that's like, did you do these things? Oh, great. Oh, you're doing a great job. And, you know, I hope that our, our husbands are the biggest voice in that way to say, yes, you're doing the great job. But 
in the day to day, when we feel, especially on those days where we are full of pain points and full of things that feel like this is not going according, right. this is not how I thought it would be yeah. when I looked at that picture. Um, but to just really step back and notice what actually do, what does my heart need right now? And we tend to want to go to social media because it feels easy. It's kind of like, you know, junk food in some ways, like it's, we can just consume it, but often it leaves us feeling worse than what, when you are in that, when you're approaching it from that type of place, it leaves us feeling worse often because we see only what we're not. Uh, It's an opportunity to be assessing ourselves that we don't need to be assessing ourselves. So a better, a better encouragement, I would say for you is like, take that time with the Lord. So when you have a moment that you're in this place where you are despairing and everybody has those days where you're like, the day feels like chaos, or I feel like I've had to, I'm in a thick of habit training. Just, there were days that I would literally (laughs) take my cup of coffee and I would say, I'm going to stand on the back porch for a second. Nobody may come outside. <laughs> I think discern, discernment is required to actually ask yourself, what is it that I need in that moment? Yeah. So going outside, you know, was a way that when, you know, my internal temperature is rising, you know, when I'm growing frustrated and taking that, beginning to take that frustration out on my, my children yeah. in a way that's not honoring them or the Lord, then it's better for me to just remove myself. Just the same way that we remove our children from situations that are causing them, you know, to stumble. It's a way that I can remove myself and say, I need to regather my heart here. And so that, that is, but that takes discernment to, and it grows. So I think just having that sensitivity to be able to come away and just then Just ask the Lord for the help that you need to be able to see your children rightly, to be able to see your home rightly, to have grace for the the work that you need to do that day. That is a far, far better encouragement to your day than sometimes going to social media, even though we might find an encouragement there. We might. Um, More often when we're in that place, we'll just find ways to accuse ourselves and to feel worse about our lack of progress in the day from our perspective. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. No, that's a great way to end here. Um, actually, Bethany and I are actually going to keep talking. Um, if you don't know, we have the bonus five over in the commonplace Patreon, which is where I will be asking mm-hmm. Bethany another question just for that audience. So if you'd like to join us, you can at patreon.com forward slash the commonplace. But Bethany, before we leave here, will you please tell people where they can find you and what sort of work you are working on right now? So I have um, blog, closerterway.com, and it is, I would, I would say I have not been writing as much there in the last two years. Um, I've been trying to, well, for a variety of reasons, I don't need to go into that, but the archives are full. They are so full, friends. You can, <laughs> you can just spend time going through there, and if you have any questions, just you're free to email um, but I also um, have, I have a variety of things so that I'm working on. Um, I have a planning guide 
that I'm working on Ooh. at the moment, um, just for helping helping mothers plan their days, plan their year. Ooh. So that's that's coming soon. I have um, a retreat that I created in 2020. Um, so that I do occasionally. And so that will probably be coming up again shortly. But so I have and I have a couple of other small projects in the wings for the early next year. So yeah, just just anything that I'm trying to like gather things as quickly as I can to just encourage and support because I think at this end of the homeschooling journey, I just am seeing glimpses of the cathedral that the Lord is mm. building. And it just has made me so eager to want to encourage people to just keep going. The work that you all are doing is so worthy and beautiful. And it doesn't feel like it. It actually feels pretty low <laughs> sometimes and dirty. And, you know, like you're having all these big conversations, but to maybe is it going anywhere? I don't know. Um, right. But it is. It's planting seeds. And you have no idea. We only ever see in part. And we only get to see, even with the grandest vision and hopes for our children, we still only see in part of who they are. Yeah. And so I just, it is such a beautiful, beautiful journey. So anyway, that's enough about that. But that's a perfect way to good. end. I feel so yeah. <laughs> Truly, yeah, Bethany, thank you so much. Um, everyone listening, you will be able to find links to find Bethany over on the episode notes, all the all the good stuff. I'm going to link to some of my favorite posts from Cloistered Away because like I said, I've been reading it for 10 years. So I know those archives are very good. Um, and Bethany, it's just been a treat. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. <laughs> 